0: Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern
1: etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on guests inviting extra guests you don't like, how to bring good scotch to a party but get to bring some home, baby gender reveal parties, and a question about wedding gift obligations.
1: Plus, your most excellent feedback, an etiquette salute, and a Postscript segment on
0: Halloween.
1: Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute.
0: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post Senning.
0: And I'm back from Texas. Still. Well, I'm actually still in Texas in my head. I can't stop thinking about the guest experience I just had and how unbelievably generous my hosts were. That it was literally like everything that we talk about on this show for good hosting was bestowed upon me by my hosts. And it made my time down there so amazing. And the the ease of my hosts, like, okay, my guest room had a bathroom attached to it, was fully stocked with like every toiletry you could imagine. The closet had extra blankets, a robe, slippers. I mean, anything that, that was a comfort thing for a guest that they might not have been able to include in a suitcase was provided for in that guest room and guest bath. And my hosts made such a great effort to let me know the schedule of the household. Let me know their schedule for the day. And then always say, let us know if you want to take a rest at some point or if you need to do work. There was one day I had to work on the trip and they let me know that their house cleaner was going to be coming and that they had talked to her that I was going to be working that day. And it was just the communication was there. And then there was the ease. It wasn't like, okay, so this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. You were like, okay, I won't move. I'm just going to follow you. It was like, all this is happening, and whatever you'd like to do within it is totally up to you. And it was like, wow this is so nice. <laughs> it's so
1: good to hear the art of hosting is alive and well that you got to experience it. It makes that host-guest dance so much easier to participate in when you've got a good partner, and I'm guessing that you were exhibiting some good guest etiquette as I well.
0: hope so. I have to be honest. There were a couple times where I had to, like, remind myself, like, Lizzie, are you doing all the good guest things? Because you're so entranced by your hosts doing the good hosting things. I felt a little like, wait a minute, don't fall into this too much. You might not say thank you, or you might not do something they're being so accommodating it made it so easy to be in a reciprocal way very uh grateful for everything that was being given to me that week or, or presented to me that week it was so much fun too. just really laid back group of people i
1: have a suspicion somewhere in texas there's someone telling a story about how wonderful it was to have lizzie post for a visit and how sweet so. and kind she was I really so. <laughs> I have a little micro version of this. Did you? What happened to you while I was away? Uh, it wasn't even away. It was last night. Oh, no way. We had a guest, someone who had come out to, to Waterbury for a meeting that Pooja was helping to coordinate. And this person, instead of returning to the... Netherlands of Vermont in the middle of the night, spent the night at our place. Oh, nice. And she spent the night, and I made sure she had a fresh towel and knew where the – there was a guest bathroom attached to her yep. room, and I put out the fresh linens and a little bar of wrapped soap. New
0: soap is always nice. And so we
1: – you know, these are your rooms, And then she came downstairs, and Pooj was coming out having just put Anisha down, and she, she beat me to the punch. I, I was a little bit behind on offering a glass of water or something <laughs> to drink, a cup of hot tea. By the way, you
0: should have seen Dan Post setting just bow his head in like slight shame. You, you're you doing so well. Don't be mad. She got her water.
1: What was so satisfying <laughs> was it was the, the teamwork, the couple oh, teamwork I, see, I see. came through. <laughs> um, But it, it felt really good. It felt, it felt nice to take care of someone like that. Yeah, and she, it does. She had just been looking for a place to spend the night and just a couple of little extra things to offer for a cup of hot tea and a fresh towel and the encouragement to make yourself feel comfortable, feel at home, take a seat by the fire. Totally, Um, It felt nice for me. So I'm sure your hosts were also deriving similar pleasure from taking good care of you.
0: Well, I'm hoping that as uh, Thanksgiving approaches here in the United States, that folks are going to feel really good about hosting and not feel overwhelmed. That hosting really can be that thing where it can be A very fulfilling experience. It can be a very attention to detail experience, but it can also be a relaxed experience too. I couldn't agree more. We have a show to host. We do. We have a show to host. So let's get to our questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth.
1: appropriately this question has to do with hosting it's about being confused while cooking hi lizzie and dan i'm a long-time listener first-time writer anyway i have a question not for myself but for my parents they're dealing with this issue and i thought i would consult the experts although i think i know what you're going to say we'll see
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I like that though
1: They're excited that longtime friends of theirs, a married couple, are going to be visiting them in New York City from California next week. They will not be staying with my parents, but will be in the area working for a few days and have coordinated to come over to their home for dinner one of the nights. They just emailed to confirm again after agreeing on the day that another friend of theirs would be with them that evening. She happens to be someone that my mother doesn't like very much. She finds her obnoxious and loud at their intimate gatherings when they have met previously. I understand that when people are traveling and don't have a lot of time, they may want to double up on meals to see friends. But A, should they have asked if it was okay, referencing the possible inconvenience of adding another guest, especially one that my parents don't really know, or B, found another time to see her. This other friend of theirs isn't my parents' friend. They have no interest in seeing her. They want to cook dinner for their friends who live across the country and they rarely see. They assume that it would be too rude to say no, and they just have to say, okay, great, looking forward to it, and suck it up as opposed to saying that actually they'd prefer these people not bring the friend. What are your thoughts? Thanks. Confused while cooking.
0: Oh, confused while cooking. This is such an annoying problem to have. This is one of those, like, oh, scrunch up why the nose, wrinkle to, the forehead. Yeah, why do you have to put me in this place? To answer your first question, yes, th- this is not how this should have happened. Guests do not invite other guests, especially ones that hosts don't know, to small, intimate dinner parties or large parties for that matter. It just shouldn't have happened, but it has happened. And now I really want to encourage your parents that they do have options. And it really depends on how they feel and what their comfort levels are. One of the things your parents should ask themselves is, can they just deal with this? Can they just deal with this rudeness that has been put upon them? Is she really that obnoxious and annoying? Is it like an offensive level or is it just like... Ugh, this is obnoxious. I wish it was different, but we'll get through it and I'll get to spend time with my friends. That is totally an option. Go for it if that's what you feel really would be best for all involved. I really would like to provide the parents with options if that's not the way they want to handle this. If this is like a, no, we, do, we don't want this woman in our home and we really don't want to spend time with our friend this way. I wish that something had happened where, uh, let's say the guest had called up and said something like, Carol, I'm so excited to visit while you were in town for work. We're trying to coordinate to get together with another friend as well. Is there any chance you'd like to go out to dinner as a group instead, right? Because you're not putting the onus on the host to host extra people. You're offering to change the plan and accommodate a fifth person now because we've got two couples and a fifth. That would have been one way to do it that could have... Have been an appropriate way for the guest to approach it, it would leave the host the room to dance and say, oh, that's thoughtful to consider. However, this time I'd like to stick with our original plan. It's what I'm able to accommodate. And I think that that would have been a nice dance for a rejection version of that dance, you know, where you're still rejecting the offer, but the guest did it in a way that was nice. Again, that's not what happened, <laughs> but I want to say if, if it's time to be honest, I would Give one option for a less direct way of handling this, and that would be, Janine, I completely understand trying to see everyone while you're in town. However, for this dinner, I'd prefer to stick to our original plan. Remember, the original plan is just that the couple visiting comes and sees the couple who's hosting. That's it. If you want to be more direct, and some friendships can allow for this. I have experienced it myself, both saying these words and having them come back to me. And I think that in really close friendships, you can explain your comfort levels without being rude. You might try something like, Janine, I completely understand wanting to see as many friends as possible when you're in town, but I'm hoping you could get together with Angela on a different night. I happen to have met her socially and unfortunately did not enjoy her company. I would really like to focus our visit on you and Greg. Right? Like, it's not fun to say those words, but you're being honest. You're not saying it directly to Angela when she's on your doorstep. You know, you are you're doing your best to communicate that in your home, you'd rather not entertain this person. And I think that there's room for that to be done somewhat politely i mean what do you think cuz i like the way you're keying on the the
1: closeness of the relationship yeah that there are relationships where that level of honesty and 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 is appropriate because you can trust that person's discretion you can trust them not to to be hurtful in terms of how they talk with this other person about the way their request for an extension on your invitation was was received and i think that's where that the closeness of that relationship becomes really important, whether or not you... Go to that degree of honesty. Yeah. I do like the option of mentioning that. I also like that first option that's more just about the planning. Yep. And and doesn't really get into the specifics or the the negative feelings.
0: That's my preference usually. If I feel I need to entertain that honesty directly option, I will. But we're kind of scaling back through the options. I I really like the place that you started off this whole thing by
1: saying that, you know, (laughs) the vast majority of the time, you're just going to say, this is an imposition. It's unfortunate, but as a good host, I can accommodate this request, I and I probably this. am going to do it, and my, my guess is that's the way most people would handle it. Yeah. And as I think about all the permutations and possibilities <laughs> on this, I think that oftentimes this situation happens at the door or much closer to the event. I still feel like we're early enough in the planning yes. stage where there's a little room to negotiate and maneuver, again, depending on the closeness of the relationship, depending on how this ask was originally put Bingo. forward. I think that that time gives you a little more play. I, I would emphasize that when someone shows up at your door and that person's with them, you divvy up the meal a little differently and find an extra chair in the guest room and put it at the table, and you accommodate that 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 guest who's there as best yeah, possible. Absolutely. I think another thought to have in mind in terms of the whole range of options is that it might be that your guests have committed to another person for for that period of time that day, and it's going to impact your plans. And I would have something in my mind if I'm them with my sample script that I would let my hosts know, and I would want to give them an out when I told them that. I would want to say, you know, I'm so sorry. Our plans have changed. We're going to be with so-and-so on that day, and I know we had talked about a dinner for us If another time works out or maybe another trip is better, sort of give them an out so that if they don't want to host that other person. I I like your idea of suggesting an alternative plan as well.
0: I like that one a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: the other option of just we could do it some other time or maybe next year's trip was a better time to make this connection or something like that. Mm -hmm. An out is another way the guest can handle that to sort of, I think, make it easier for the host to say, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Bring them and and not feel imposed upon.
0: On the flip side, the host could actually offer that as well and say, oh, if you need to see Angela this evening, why don't we pick a different night to get together? And that would be another indication to the guest then of, yep, probably not going to mix these two groups groups but that's okay. Um but but the hosts could bow out on their own and say, "Hey, you know, we'd really love to focus our time on on just you and again Greg just picking names. Um you know, why don't we try and find a different time in your trip to get together and just kind of pull their own hosting offer off the table almost." Another option like that starts dicey, to be extinction-level event same for time, the connection. Yeah, there are lots of ways to handle this. There
1: <laughs> are, and as is so often the case, how you handle a difficult situation can be a real opportunity to shine. And I think that despite all the permutations, we keep looping back around to a grin and bear it as... Sort of a, a, a baseline that I think is going to be many people's impulses I to put other people's yeah. comfort first.
0: I think it's what most people will go with. I think they'll look at the timing of the situation and the actual annoyingness of the extra guest and end up saying it's a lot easier for me to just see my friend kind of – be polite, but not pay much attention to this person, you know, do my best to grin and bear it. And I think a lot of people choose that. Yeah. Confused while cooking. I hope that
1: we haven't added too much to the confusion with all of our (laughs) options and that the visit goes smoothly, whatever your parents decide to do. As we are seeing people like Betty and Bob who want to entertain their friends and have good times together, forget that poor manners can really interfere with the fun of the party. A good meal. Good company, real enjoyment. That's what a dinner party is for.
0: Our next two questions come from Twitter. And our first Twitter question comes from Alon. He tweets, at Emily Post Inst, Want to bring a nice bottle of scotch to share at a friend's house, but then take it home at the end of the night. Can I?
1: Sharing can be so hard. It really it's it's not easy to share the things that we like. It's like we wanna share good things and yet we don't wanna overburden ourselves. They're precious.
0: I'm like, wait, I wanna share a little of this, but I definitely want some for myself still.
1: I'm picturing a, a child in a sandbox that, that wants friends, but also wants their Tonka truck. <laughs>
0: hmm. Okay, so what are options here? I think one option is wait and invite the couple or the friends, ho- the friends who you're you're going to see over, and share the scotch with them on your turf.
1: I like option one.
0: Yeah, option number two. Um, if the bottle doesn't matter to you, I would pour out what I want to save for myself into a bottle to keep at home. Decant. I would decant. Yes. And then bring the half bottle or the the other rest of the bottle with you because we've certainly seen folks do that, especially with a really nice bottle of scotch or other liquors. It's very easy to bring that as an already opened bottle and it's still seen as a great gesture. Um, Option two. Option two. Option number three is one where I am stumbling on a sample script. I can't believe that. that It's because I know it's possible. I know I've had these conversations, but I can't remember how how they've gone. But it's where you might say something like, hey, Dan, I really want to bring that scotch so that your friend John can try it. But I I want to be able to go home with some too, because I don't have a lot. And it's like a precious bottle. Is there some way we can work out sharing but not finishing that bottle? That might be something you could do, like, with a close family or really close friend. You could just explain, you know, it's like you just admit your worry. You admit your concern.
1: I brought my most favored, most aged bottle I wanted to share. Or I'm hoping to bring. You
0: prepare. Do it it at the start rather than showing up with it, right? I like it. Yeah, okay. So number four, I really love because it's just true. Sharing can be hard. So do what you can, but just don't overburden yourself. If this isn't the night to bring this bottle out because you're too worried about not being able to save some for you don't do it
1: always another sound option (laughs) alon i really hope this helps and that you're able to enjoy that delicious scotch with some friends at some point in the future
0: our next question comes from erica at
1: emily post inst what do you bring to a baby gender reveal party exclamation point question mark awesome etiquette they still want to do a baby shower too
0: hashtag too many gifts Bring your awesome self, my cousin Daniel Poe sending snuck into this script. I love it. No, it's true. It's You just really have to bring yourself maybe a card. Um, but it's not like you can say congratulations on your boy or girl because you don't know that yet in the card. You know what I mean? So it really is a party just to reveal the gender. There really aren't supposed to be gifts, Right.
1: There's no expectation of a gift. Yeah. And I've just got to jump in with my guilty confession. Um, Please. That when I first heard gender reveal party, my eyes sort of rolled a little bit. The shower is still coming. How many parties are we going to have to celebrate this new arrival? And then... I had so much fun. <laughs> it, it was my brother's first baby, and we now know she <laughs> was going to be the first grandchild for both her grandparents yes. on both sides of the family. And the enthusiasm in the family, it's, it's hard to describe. <gasps> and the gender reveal party was a hit it was a smash everyone was there and there was a cake that was frosted when you cut into the cake it revealed the gender the,
0: the gender yeah the and color revealed the, the gender the color
1: revealed the gender and starting
0: them off associating color and gender right from the get go right well,
1: and this gets into a whole dicey territory about these parties that
0: I was going to say art art major we were always teaching color is gender neutral <laughs> Well,
1: technically it's a sex reveal party it's yeah, not a gender reveal party it's a reveal sex
0: party. reveal party exactly
1: and We should
0: change the name of that.
1: It's a thought. And it it also bears on the thought about gifts, that they're not expected, but you can. And one of the things that I remember from that first party (laughs) was that my brother's wife's mother had a car – full of gifts in two different colors. And we live we live in a world where you could do that. You could return gifts in the color that turned out not to be the color that the inside of the cake corresponded to, but <laughs> it was so much fun when all of a sudden she started to like emerge with all of these little outfits and these oh, little that's you know fun. whether it's the bubblegum cigar that's in the right color for yeah, yeah, for the yeah. cake. So you can. It can be fun. But there isn't a rule about it. Yeah. And it's it's that opportunity, not the obligation if you want to participate in this way. By all means, enjoy yourself, but don't feel burdened by it.
0: Absolutely. And have fun.
1: So this year, the experts have a checklist. The checklist makes it easy to know what to take. Of course, it also makes it easy to know what not to take.
0: Our next question is a perennial favorite.
1: It's about wedding gift obligations. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm curious about your advice that one is obligated to send a wedding gift if one is invited to a wedding. I'd never heard that particular piece of advice until I started listening to your show. Miss Manners' advice is the opposite of yours in this case, that a wedding invitation is not an invoice, but that one would likely participate in the convention of sending a gift if attending the wedding. Can you elaborate? Thanks for the great show. It's a real treat. Noreen.
0: I – it's so funny. I want to go on record saying I think about changing this quote-unquote rule or tradition – all the time. I wonder how practical is it really to obligate people or to suggest as the Emily Post Institute that we are obligating people to send a gift, that they should send a gift, even if they send their regrets to a wedding invitation, even if they don't attend. I think we live in a world where, you know, we aren't quite trying to set people up the same way we used to, where people are getting many more weddings to go to per year than they they ever used to that this might be an unrealistic tradition to to keep on the books, basically. I want people to know that I really consider that. I think about it in my own life. It's really something we think about. But I hear what Miss Manners says about invoicing. I don't like the idea that it's a must-do in that regard. I just don't. I don't think that that invitation is like a receipt for then getting a gift back. And I really don't like it when people treat it that way, especially if the bride and groom treating it that way. That's just wrong. And I think the way it's set up can create that feeling very, very easily. We like to really encourage folks that if you are not attending the wedding, that that gift can be a very small, uh, um, kind of almost, I don't want to say souvenir, we often say token gift, um, but something that simply commemorates this. I still come down on the sappy sweet idea that if someone is close enough to you to be sending you an invitation to one of the biggest moments in their life, that that should be honored, that you would want to honor that with a gift. And maybe we change the language eventually to say that, that, you know, it it really isn't a must-do, but it's something that, that you would think you would want to honor it, and it's a really kind and wonderful gesture to honor it with a small gift, or something like that. Maybe that would help take the pressure off, maybe it wouldn't feel like an obligation, but it's interesting because I had told you just the other week that I am thinking about this particular question, and how can it serve people better? How can this answer or serve people better.
1: I like the place where you're starting to, to get where you're thinking about the, the, the way these rules of etiquette function big picture and yeah. whether it's the feeling that obligation to send a gift or whether it's...
0: Feeling that inspiration to send a inspiration gift.
1: inspiration to send a gift. And, and I think that so often it's the case that when we approach etiquette or, or these conventions, these social conventions as opportunities, they start to work really well. Yes. And as you say, when you receive that wedding invitation and the first thought that comes to your mind is, isn't this sweet? They've, they've, Isn't this remarkable? Isn't How this wonderful. lovely yeah. and they want me to be a part of it? That, that that's the place where that gift-giving inspiration is supposed to come from, not from a, well, I heard somewhere on a podcast that I'm supposed to reply to this wedding invitation with a gift. And I think that if we're doing our jobs well talking about where etiquette comes from that inspiration is what comes to people's minds and my, my my notes for this question were insert long form answer here, <laughs> because I, I I agree with you completely. I yeah. don't think it it should feel like a rule. I don't think it should feel like an invoice. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Manners, for I your love lovely the way
0: she put term that. And
1: phrase. Your little sort of sarcastic wit, I appreciate it. And I think it might be Noreen's language where she says that that, that Miss Manners elaborates that one would likely participate in the convention of sending a gift if attending a wedding. That 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 it's not an invoice. Sp- sort of wit yeah, is also tempered with the idea that there is a larger social expectation that you're probably going to participate in. I and... even read
0: that as a larger individual generosity that that likely you're going to want to send something. You know, I love that. I like the idea that she is highlighting the good nature in most people. Um, but she kind of leaves room for the people who are going to poo-poo this idea or say, no, no, I don't want to do that. She leaves room for them to exist and feel comfortable as well. So I just say it's, it's something we're thinking about as we approach our next editions. We've
1: quoted his Manners. Let's yeah. finish by quoting Emily Post. Go for it, man. Who said, etiquette is not some rigid code of manners. It's simply how people's lives touch one another. And I think any time it starts to feel ruley. Remind yourself that that wasn't Emily Post's intent in 1922, that she was really trying to describe a social code that facilitated considerate, respectful, honest and kind interactions between people. And, and that's the spirit that, that we want to approach any of these concepts with.
0: So hopefully that will inspire you when you get your next wedding invitation. Thank you so much, Noreen, for bringing up this topic so that we could get a chance to discuss. And thank you for your questions. You can send us more questions. And please send us your updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at Leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question or comment on the show.
1: Each week we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover.
0: I loved one of our first pieces of feedback because it, it drops right in with a wonderful exclamation point. Um, and this came from our episode where we discussed the, oh, no, the groom's boutonniere is on the wrong side.
1: This feedback begins, please do not Photoshop the groom's boutonniere. So I was listening to this podcast on a long road trip to North Carolina, and unfortunately, I had just listened to the Hidden Brain podcast shot Facebook, which was all about the stress involved in living the perfect life on social media (laughs) when real life can be so imperfect. (laughs) The photos of the wedding should celebrate the reality, which was awesome because hello, wedding. (laughs) And had the boutonniere on the other, not wrong, lapel. Not some fake perfect and not nearly so awesome day. Where does the photoshopping end? The usher had the wrong color shoes. Just fix that. The bride's hair was not perfect. We can fix that. The maid of honor had gained a few pounds. She won't mind if that's fixed. Cousin Clyde was so horrible at the reception, we're just going to get rid of him from the photos. (laughs) Seriously, life is messy. The baby will spit up on the heirloom christening gown. It will rain the day of the big cookout. And a power outage will cause last-minute family Christmas celebration relocation to a much smaller house. (laughs) Please celebrate the imperfect, wonderful reality that is life and not try to shoehorn it into some arbitrary standard of perfect. The mess is pretty darned perfect as it is. Love the podcast. Your advice is usually spot on and it is no big deal to Photoshop the boutonniere. It just has larger implications bonus i can now accurately spell (laughs) boutonniere still not so great with etiquette oops (laughs) etiquette that just looks wrong kathleen kathleen you are hysterical
0: i love you (laughs) kathleen i absolutely love you this is one of my most favorite pieces of feedback we've ever received and i agree with it wholeheartedly please write us again Our next piece of feedback uh, begins. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you very much for your wonderful podcast, which is a constant reminder to me to help me be kind and considerate. It always makes me think and consider my actions. I was moved to give a couple pieces of feedback after episode 158. The first piece, inviting feedback as a manager. You're absolutely right that a good manager should seek feedback from their team. However, I'd like to add that it's also vital that the manager receives any feedback in the right way, including feedback that may be difficult to hear or accept. A manager's actions matter far more than their words. If a manager invites feedback but then becomes defensive when it is given, the employees are far less likely to give feedback in the future as the experience is not comfortable for them, and the whole team suffers. Feedback number two about meeting the queen. The royal family website states there are no obligatory codes of behavior when meeting the queen, but many may wish to follow traditional forms. I noted this with particular interest, being a British Quaker, because Quakers traditionally have never bowed or curtsied to the queen. I heard somewhere that she is aware of this and doesn't seem to mind. P.S., the second syllable of Norfolk is pronounced to rhyme with cook, but there's no reason why you would have known that. Best wishes, Haley. I love this, and we had gotten our info from l.com and I love having the actual royal website here for us to reference in the future.
1: Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk. Norfolk,
0: Norfolk, <laughs> Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk. Thank you, Haley. What great feedback.
1: I love it. Thank you for the, the pronunciation correction, and I— Had the great pleasure of having lunch with someone who was preparing to go meet the Queen not too long ago. And I I know, right? I, and
0: when did you not tell me this?
1: You're now me sitting next to this person who was preparing to meet. And I said, how could this not have come up earlier in our, our meal? This is the coolest thing ever. Life goal, longest reigning monarch in history. That's so cool. Whoa. Um, and she was talking about preparing herself and yeah. she was thinking about for her what would be the convention as an American meeting the queen. Yes. And she was someone that had learned to curtsy when she was young oh. and was enjoying the possibility of employing this curtsy (laughs) Um, but what wasn't entirely sure not being a subject of the queen whether it was expected and just how she should conduct herself and I actually referenced her to DeBretz I thought that might be a good source and I'm now also going to mention this particular web link so I'm appreciating this feedback on a couple levels right now
0: nice well thank you thank you thank you Haley. Our next piece of feedback is about the hosts versus landlords question from episode 161. This is when uh, folks let their friends use a couple different vacation homes, but they couldn't figure out how to handle cleanup issues. They didn't want to charge their friends for everything, but they couldn't really afford to have a cleanup crew come in between every single visit because they, they let their friends do this quite a lot. So it was like, how do we balance this and make sure our house stays nice? It begins.
1: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for your friendly, fun, and thought-provoking podcast. I find myself referencing situations and points from your discussions in my daily life and appreciate your upbeat conversational style. I'm writing in response to the question titled, Host vs. Landlords, from Episode 161. I agree wholeheartedly that visitors who are using vacation homes should certainly treat the home with utmost respect and leave it in the best condition possible. Your suggestions for clear, closing-up directions are on point. But as you went on about specifics, such as vacuum, wanding the upholstery, washing all towels and sheets, remaking beds, scrubbing bathrooms, etc., it started to sound like several hours of hard work that may not be an option depending on travel, departure plans. All that laundry alone could take half a day. Mm -hmm. Additionally, as you mentioned, everyone has different standards. My husband and I are always careful to leave a vacation home or hotel room tidy and kept upon leaving, even when there is a cleaning crew to follow. But it strikes me as unrealistic to imagine that I could leave those places in as immaculate condition as a professional house cleaning service can. The writer of this question never accepts payment and suggests an optional charitable donation if the guests inquire, but remarks that paying a cleaning service after each guest visit would be cost prohibitive. An obvious solution seems to be to politely explain to vacation home borrowers that the stay is free of charge and that they are responsible only for the cleaning service fee following their stay. This is still extremely generous of the homeowners, relieves the visitors of such stringent cleaning expectations, and guarantees that the home is at the expected level of cleanliness and readiness for the following stay. Thanks again for all the awesomeness. Lisa from San Diego.
0: I thought that was such a smart solution, and I'm mad that it wasn't obvious to me before because I was like, that is a smart solution. Just have them pay for it. It's another
1: option. You could give guests. You could say, if you would prefer, there is a great cleaning service that can be booked and is this rate.
0: I like giving it the either say these are the tasks that need to be completed or you can call the service and and we'll, you know, make sure that they they are there for you.
1: Lisa, thanks for the suggestion. It's always nice to improve an answer.
0: And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. our
1: Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about Halloween.
0: Boo! (laughs) Paul, wake up. You're having a nightmare. It's all right. Mommy and Daddy are here.
1: I know. It's it's (laughs) kind of an anti-holiday. It's like a a counterculture from the the dark recesses of our mind holiday, and yet it's also the beginning of a holiday season. And there is some etiquette that applies any time people are getting together.
0: Halloween, the beginning of the holiday season. I mean, technically, you're right. If we look at consumer culture in America, it is. But
1: I'm going back to my child mind. It's absolutely the beginning of the holiday season. In fact, it used to be by far my favorite. I I would have taken Halloween over Thanksgiving any day. Really. Absolutely.
0: Thanksgiving is always and forever will be my favorite holiday. Sorry. It's emerged for <laughs> me. But as a
1: kid, give me the candy over the turkey anytime.
0: Wow. All right. So let's dive into Halloween etiquette then, because actually the very first Halloween etiquette question I've received from the media this year was, what age is it appropriate to still trick-or-treat until? Like, can you really have older teenagers or adults going out trick-or-treating legitimately? Okay, so a couple of thoughts
1: here. One, I was just tuning up our Halloween Etiquette web page on the Emily Post Institute, and the question that we decided to highlight on that page was, is it appropriate for teens to be trick-or-treating? And (laughs) a a general guideline, a general thing to think about is if you got your driver's license, you're probably old enough to go get your own candy. (laughs) I think that there is sort of a a, a late adolescence, a junior high territory where you could still participate in a spirit of whimsy and childhood, and, and you might get away with it. Although... It really is the spirit that belongs to those littler kids, those elementary school age children. And the suggestion is, if you really enjoy dressing up, if you really enjoy celebrating the Halloween holiday, have a Halloween party, yeah. have a costume party. And At sixteen,
0: people can drive to it. Nobody's drinking, so you know the driving's going to be okay, right? Right? And
1: enjoy <laughs> it. Get in the spirit of it. Dan Savage has a theme that he thinks Halloween's a really great grown-ups holiday. That is a great time to have parties and social gatherings. And my first bit of Halloween etiquette is for the grown-ups. It is the beginning of a social season. And brush up on your host guest etiquette. Etiquette. (laughs) And that can be anything. It can be about participating well as a guest.
0: That's my favorite one because it's Halloween. Throw on a costume. Like, have some fun with it. No bah humbugging. Exactly. This early in the season. (laughs) And on the
1: flip side, if you're an overdoer, if you're somebody that puts unreasonable expectation on guests and friends and family and even yourself, relax, (laughs) take it easy, enjoy enjoy and participate in a spirit of generosity and fun. And you're gonna have a better time. So
0: that's for the grown ups. What about the kiddos?
1: Okay. We'll start with the basics. First, stay safe.
0: Yes, always.
1: Design costumes that you can move in, that you can see in, that allow you to be seen. Um, Think about participating in things like trick-or-treating in ways that are safe. Do it during daylight hours, in neighborhoods that you know, um, supervised if you're younger. It's also a time to start to brush up on some manners Mm -hmm. that um, parents can prepare kids and kids can challenge themselves to stay polite. I know the theme is trick-or-treat, give me or I'm going to do something horrible to you. (laughs) But you can also, pleases and thank yous, magic words, show appreciation, share, share among friends. Don't take every piece of candy that's in the bowl that someone's left yeah, out Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, about those please, I just want to put out there that the trick or treat, because that's the the phrase you're supposed to say when someone opens the door, I, I vote that that counts as your please. Saying the correct thing when the door, you don't have to say trick or treat, please, but you could say trick or treat and then be sure to say thank you. That's the really important important one when it comes to Halloween and this whole trick-or-treating exchange.
1: On the flip side of that equation is the person who's waiting at the door with a bowl of candy. The the basic guideline, the basic trick-or-treat etiquettes yeah. <laughs> if you're playing that hosting role, are to give out wrapped treats. Yes. A lot of parents have rules safety first, against homemade treats. So even if you Want to make the healthy granola snack, look for an individually wrapped healthy granola snack that you can hand out that you can feel good about.
0: Hey, Dan, one final thought. What time is, like, the trick-or-treating over? I mean, what t- how, what's, what's the etiquette of ending your trick-or-treat hours?
1: For little kids, yeah. daylight hours. Yeah, usually, <laughs> for yeah. For <laughs> bigger kids, say 8.30, 9 o'clock. Yeah. And look for those lights on. That really is the universal sign that we're receiving when they're out of candy, when they're not participating, darken the house. That's the courtesy for the host, for the trick-or-treaters, respect that. If you are in your home and there's that knock on the door and you don't, have treats or you're not prepared, just tell people no nicely, either that you ran out or that you're not doing it, but send them on their way with a smile and some courtesy and you should be in good shape.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, we hope that you all enjoy trick-or-treating, Halloween parties, getting into the spirit of the season this year with just a little bit of etiquette in your pocket. There's nothing to be frightened of, darling. There isn't any there. You just dreamed Now, mommy is here.
1: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms.
0: And today's comes from A Lady Surrounded by Consideration. (laughs) It begins... Dan and Lizzie, I love listening to the podcast and have absolutely become more aware of the kindness around me because of it. I would like to share a few salutes I have noticed since starting to listen to Awesome Etiquette. Two years ago, I moved to a very small, rural, family-oriented town. The next two sentences are to be read in a lighthearted tone. Unbeknownst to me, I am still trying to obtain the local status... The elderly ladies conveniently informed me that I had not attended our county fair. I decided to buy into their suggestion and watch my students show their poultry. The etiquette came in when a lady sat down in front of me. Before settling in, she politely asked me if I could see with her in front of me. I found this gesture to be extremely courteous and appreciate the extra thought. Instance number two, I am a teacher and my laptop's charging cords are always a disaster. About once a week, I have to restring the cords in the charging port. Last week, after the students had left summer school for the day, I sighed at the thought of this task. A group of students came back to get items they left behind and happily offered to take on this daunting task, explaining that they were part of the reason it had to be done. I could not be any more grateful for my middle school students wanting to help and acknowledging their involvement in the problem. Circumstance number three, my significant other and I love roaming the Old Market, a historical section of Omaha, and it is a lovely section of Omaha. The first couple times I did not notice that I always walked on the inside of him. It was not until I was on the outside and he made it a point to switch positions did I start to notice this habit of ensuring I was always on the inside. Tending to be a modern lady, I do not always accept the traditional ways as rules. However... I think I can give in to this tradition for him. Chivalry is not dead, my friends. Thank you for sprinkling the world with your kindness, a lady surrounded by consideration. Isn't that lovely?
1: I like this three salutes in one structure that we've got going on here.
0: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it sounds like a lovely community and some some really lovely considerations that have been coming our listeners' way.
1: Thank you for that salute.
0: And thank you for listening.
1: And thank you to everyone who sent us something.
0: That's a lot of thanking going on. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us
1: a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
0: On Twitter, I'm at lizzie A. Post. And I'm at
1: Daniel underscore post.
0: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute.
1: And you can help us out. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, leave us a Review.
0: Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thank you, Chris. Chris.
1: Of course, all this isn't accomplished just by wishing.